With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. There is no doubt we're facing significant headwinds in this market, especially on the M&A front. Um, you know, we're seeing we're in an environment where interest rates have significantly risen. We've got some uh, a lot of uncertainty in our within our own country in terms of the economy, and we've got some geopolitical pressures out there. And, and we have seen a very subdued M&A market, and it's going to be very subdued for at least another year or so. The large national buyers, uh, the large regional buyers, have really who've really been aggressive over the in the recent years in their and their acquisition strategies, they've you know gone to the sidelines a little bit. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Belt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. You know the role of the real estate agent has changed forever, and if you want to succeed in today's market, you need the right insights and tools from a source you can trust. Keeping current matters makes it easy to be the market expert your clients expect, with trusted insights that give you the confidence you need and timely content that gives you the presence you want, KCM helps you drive credibility and consideration. Learn more about how to master the market and your marketing with Keeping Current Matters by visiting trykcm.com forward slash Realtrends to learn more. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Scott Wright, a partner with RTC Consulting, a firm that specializes in real estate mergers, acquisitions, valuations, and consulting. So welcome, Scott. Thank you, Tracy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and um, I know you worked hard uh, with Steve Murray on a report recently for us, um, the Brokerage Benchmark Report, and it was a 10-year study about the financial and operational results of brokerage firms comparing 2012 to 2021. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the more surprising findings that you saw in that report and how it, it can impact brokers today and give them some ideas for, for better business practices. Absolutely. And, and first, let me give you some context on, on the kind of the data supporting this study. Uh, you know, at, at Real Trends Consulting, we've done over 4,000 valuations over the last uh, 35 years. And and just in the last 10 years, since 2012, we've done well over 2,000 of those valuations. So we get the, you know, we get to access all that data from these valuations. We also have privileged access to other financial and operational data from brokerages all over the nation. So we can we can coalesce and combine all of that together and really come up with a neat tool, a neat database uh, that provides amazing insight for a lot of different purposes. Um, it's a it's a super important tool for our brokerage clients. Uh, you know, one of the things it provides them is is uh, is a benchmark of how they're doing relative to their industry peers. It's really nice to be able to say, "Hey, look, 
here's how here's how your operational and financial metrics compare to your regional and peers to your national peers it really helps them understand how they're doing in their brokerage what they can maybe do to change so it's been huge for our clients but it also just really offers us fascinating industry trends you know that you really can't get anywhere else so it's been really fun to you know to keep this benchmark study going for the last 10 years and really see how these trends have 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 unfolded over the last 10 years in our industry um, and I'd say really to your question, some of the most you know, surprising findings, uh, surprising but also not surprising is just the ongoing decline in retained company dollar. And just to give you some, you know, an idea of what that is for people who don't know where retained company dollar is, it's basically what the broker gets to keep out of every dollar of commission earned by a real estate agent. You know, back in the days of, of your, we'll call them, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, Brokers were keeping 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar, and it was a very profitable business. And in those days are long gone. And um, you know, there's just been a fierce competition for agents. There's been new, you know, new uh, entrants into this market. The low cost, the flat, the monthly fee models that have really continued to uh, to drive down uh, this retained company dollar number. And uh, with that, with that, you know, the numbers have continued to slide. Um, you know, back in 2012, for example, in our study, when the first year we really started to uh, track this and put this all together, this industry was still well over 20 percent. Uh, we were still keeping, you know, on average about 22, 23 cents on the dollar of every dollar of commission earned. And and really the trend over the last 10 years has just been an ongoing trend downward that I'm sure most brokerage companies in this industry have felt. Uh, we've seen that number slide from about down about 10 points. And you know, in 2021, we're coming in right around 11 or 12%. And, and so it's just been a really staggering decline in retained company dollar. We, you know, we margin compression is the key kind of phrase on our industry that we've been throwing around in recent years. And that's that's apparent. And we're you know, everybody's feeling that margin compression is real. And even just over the last 10 years, it's down to a level that's that's for a lot of brokerage firms, it's sometimes a challenge to be able to operate profitably. But, you know, firms have been able to combat this and they've been able uh, to adapt to this environment of declining retained company dollar. And this benchmark report uh, does offer some, you know, kind of some clues and some and some insights as to how they've been doing it. You know, one of the one of the ways they've been doing it is just re reducing their operating expenses. Um, they've packaged more agents into offices. For example, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, the agent productivity, agents per office. But uh, you know, one of the areas of, of spending that really has seen a significant de decline in recent years is marketing and advertising. We've seen we've seen that drop quite substantially, and it continues to drop. Now, you know, obviously, there's some large national brokerage firms that don't spend a lot on, on marketing and advertising, and as they continue to grow, we see that number continue to climb. For example, Remax, uh, Keller Williams, they spend very little. Um, at the office level, um, their affiliates don't spend a lot on 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 advertising for their agents. You know, they spend some at the corporate level, obviously, to get their brand out there. But those low cost, uh, those flat fee companies, they don't spend a lot on their agents uh, for marketing and advertising. There's, you know, their their basic mindset is, hey, look, you know, if I'm going to give you this kind of a split, then, you know, this is we're going to have to give a little bit. You're going to have to spend a little bit more yourself on your own marketing and advertising. So we've seen those significant declines in over the last 10 years in marketing and advertising. Um, 
You know, the other the other two areas that we really keep a close eye on because these are the, this is the largest area of spending that brokerage firms have is is occupancy and personnel costs. Between those two, that is is at least 50% of operating expenses for all brokerage firms out there. And you know, based on our benchmark data, we've seen marginal declines over the last 10 years in those areas. Uh, you would think, oh gosh, they, they've, got, they've got to be substantial declines. Uh, but when you kind of peel back the layers, you really do understand that despite what we're seeing on those marginal declines, and when I mean marginal declines, um, it is what they're spending relative to their gross margin or their company dollar. Um, if, you, if you do some further calculations based on how many agents per office, we've seen substantial declines. In our benchmark report, I, I believe that you published um, uh, at, you know, as, as part of the Housing Wire um, article, didn't really go dive too deep into this. But one thing that's really fascinating in, in this that we, you know, when you peel back the layers is um, on a per agent basis, for example, we've seen, we've seen um, agents per office significantly increase. And when you take what they're spending on occupancy and what they're spending on personnel on a per agent basis, it's been almost a decline 50% per agent. And to give you an example, for uh, back in 2012, brokerage firms were on average spending about uh, $3,500 per agent for their occupancy costs. Uh, back in 2012, brokerage firms were spending about $6,000 per agent uh, for their for personnel costs. That Those numbers have decreased almost 50% over the last 10 years. So now the average firm is spending about $1.9,000 per agent for occupancy-related expenses and about $3,800 per agent for personnel-related expenses. Um, so that, you know, that's been a significant decline on a per-agent basis, what these firms are spending in order to adapt, kind of circling back, in order to adapt to that margin compression, in order to maintain profitability and make this a profitable business. Um, you know, some other surprising findings, Tracy, I'll just keep going here if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, some surprising findings is agents per office. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about agent productivity, but, you know, agents really care less and less about brick and mortar. More and more business these days is being done at a Starbucks or in your car, on the phone, Zoom. This is more of a virtual environment than it's ever been. And, and agents just aren't requiring that private desk uh, they aren't requiring that significant office space. And so firms have have really done a good job of adapting to that. And, and, and the agent per office on an average across the nation is almost double from 50 to around 100. Uh, so we've seen that that you know, that increase in, in agents per office really is a staggering number. And, uh, and agents haven't been really complaining much about it. We haven't seen a lot of complaints. And that's just kind of been an adaptation to the environment we're in. Um, and because of that, um, on average, each office is 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 way is producing way more transactions. Obviously, volume as well. Um, so that's a, another you know tidbit of information that we're seeing on the benchmark. That's that's been really fascinating. Um, is that agent productivity per office, uh, that the transactions per office, the average volume per office has been a significant increase. You know, one other one other uh, you know thing that. That really wasn't in the in the article. I think would be really interesting for uh, listeners to understand is, in addition to breaking this out on a national level, all this benchmark information, we really try to regionalize it as well, and that comes in really handy for our brokerage clients. It, it, sometimes it's, it it doesn't make sense to compare a firm operating in you know Arizona or Southern California with a with a company operating on the Cape or somewhere up in the Northeast of the United States. 
they still operate differently. You know, we're, we, we, the agents have different expectations in different parts of the country and brokerages provide different services and different um, value for their agents in different parts of the country. So we actually break apart this benchmark uh, information by region. And just to give you an example of that, you know, historically in the Northeastern United States, um, agents have had an expectation of, of their, of their brokers providing more marketing and advertising to, uh, for them of their brokers providing more office space for them, more personnel, more support, uh, generally more, more, more services for what they're doing. And the brokers have been happy to provide that, but they're also gonna keep more. They're gonna keep more of, uh, of, of the commission. And so the retained company dollar in the Northeast has, has, has traditionally been a lot higher than it is in the Western part of the United States and in the South as well. Even in 2021, we're still seeing that. You know, We've seen the numbers kind of normalize a little bit um, and come closer together in terms of what firms are providing for their agents on the occupancy and personnel um, <clears throat> side of things. But uh, in the Northeast, for example, in 2021, it's still about five to six points higher that the that the brokers are keeping, five to six cents extra, if you will, um, for the dollar that they're keeping of commission than firms operating on the other side of the country. So it's really fascinating to look at kind of the differences in, you know, in, in 3,000 miles to see what these firms are doing differently and how they're doing it. Um, so, that, you know, there's a lot of fascinating information that we get from this benchmark uh, study, Tracy, and it's really uh, it's really been um, sobering in a lot of respects to see kind of some of the trends that we're seeing in this industry and how uh, the, the, the brokerage firms in this industry have responded to it. Yeah, and um, we should note that the benchmark includes all different models, um, that obviously some models are, are going to retain more than others. And I don't know if you want to speak a little bit about that. Um, That's absolutely true. Um, this benchmark, uh, you know, the thousands of firms that we have in this, in this database is, includes firms of all shapes and sizes. It includes your traditional graduated commission plan companies. It includes your um, you know, you know, we'll call it the, the cap, the graduated cap companies, uh, the companies that cap out includes the 100% companies, the flat fee companies, the monthly fee companies. So it includes all shapes and sizes of brokerage firms, and it just basically, you know, combines them together. Um, in, in like I've kind of mentioned before, over the last 10 years, we've seen more and more of the lower cost companies take larger market shares. So obviously, that's going to have a, a bigger impact on some of these trends that we're seeing. What do you think about the lower fee um, moving forward as the market shifts? You know, a lot of that is economies of scale. Um, these companies have, you know, they obviously embrace their business model and some are very successful at it and some are very profitable at it. But it is, you, you got to have economies of scale to make it something that's worthwhile. And uh, a lot of these smaller companies that are are trying to get going in that area are really struggling. Um, and uh, that's why we're seeing actually a lot of consolidation on, on that area. Um, a lot of those low cost companies, we've seen significant consolidation because um, as, as you get into this business, as you, as you grow this business, if you're not growing, if you're not substantially growing that type of business and continuing to add agents, then you're not gonna be able to, to have the kind of profitability um, that your investors um, or that your founders expected when they when they built those businesses. So it's all about economies of scale. And as long as there is economies of scale, there is absolutely pay, a, a place for those those models to to thrive and to profit in this industry. They yeah, just I, need more agents. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if everyone agrees about the more agents in the business, but um, but definitely, I I um I did notice on several of the earnings calls. I know Remax and EXP both are are putting an increased emphasis on per agent productivity, and and that kind of gets into my next question when we have agent productivity um, on the benchmark report. So give us a little context about what's happening. Um, is, as far as like per agent productivity, per office productivity and that? Yeah, so that, that's a good question. So it, obviously over the last 10 years, one of the things that we closely track in addition to the financial metrics is agent productivity information. And we have seen a, a slight downtick in agent productivity. It's gone from, uh, from about eight and a half, almost nine uh, transactions per agent back in 2012 down to about seven and a half or so um, in, in 2021. And, and really, I believe that the biggest reason for that is, is the growth in realtor count. It's not necessarily that on average agents tend to be less productive, like your, like your agent that's doing this as a full-time job. To give you an example, back in 2012, according to the, to the NAR, there were 1 million um, real estate agents in the, in the United States of America. In 2021, there were one and a half million. So we've seen a significant increase in agent count just in general across the nation over the last 10 years. And it's that lower quartile, the lower third that just aren't that productive. We'll call them the home gamers, the ones that are doing it on the side or trying to get going in this business that are driving that number down. So obviously, as you increase that agent count across the nation, it's natural to have the agent productivity decrease. And, and, and to be honest with you, those ones that are in that lower quartile, that lower third, they're the ones who's, who are going to see their disappear, uh, business disappear quickest in a downturn. They're the ones who are going to give up the quickest. They're the ones who, who don't have this business dialed in, who don't understand how to adapt in a, in a, in a housing market that's on the decline. So uh, we're going to probably likely see that number not necessarily continue to decline, but increase as uh, as this downturn in the housing market, uh, you know, basically just purges some of those agents that have decided to join over the last 10 years um, as we see those decrease. And we saw that really in, in the in the agent and team rankings that, uh, the, you know, the Housing Wire and Real Trends published um, recently this summer. You know, we're seeing um, the, the top agents and the top teams continue to uh, capture more market share to continue to grow and thrive relative to those the bottom half of agents and and that's going to be even more so uh, that's going to be very prevalent at, in in a downturn as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the most successful agents are going to um, you know continue to grow and gain in this type of a market um, and. And a lot of agents coming into the business have never really been through this type of cycle. So they're starting from scratch if they weren't doing their sphere of influence and uh, relationship building through the last uh, couple of years, then they're, they're starting and that, that probably isn't going to um, bring, them, bring them a lot of business in the short term. Um, but it will in the long term if they if they continue and can and can really hammer that home. So, yeah. So let's talk about the profitability of brokerage firms over uh, the, the 10 years that, that we did the brokerage benchmark. Um, what are you talked a little bit about it, but let's go a little deeper into the results of and, and I know in this we did not include in the brokerage benchmark. We did not include any core services. Um with with what we're talking about, correct? Yeah, we did our best to strip out firms um, 
you know, that did have a meaningful core, uh, you know, core affiliate services type of revenues. So really, this is this is solely not solely focused, but mostly focused on brokerage. Uh, these are brokerage only numbers. Um, and, and and the truth is, this is just not a high margin industry. It, it, it hasn't been for a while. You know, 30 years ago, it was, you know, back when firms were keeping more on the dollar. But it's it's not a high margin industry. But you know what? Um, despite the margin compression that we're seeing over the last 10 years, uh, firms have have adapted and they've adjusted and they've figured out how to stay profitable. We've seen that, and the biggest measure for that is retain uh, is return on revenue. Excuse me, uh, return on revenue is that is that bottom line number, that profitability as a metric compared to revenue. And that's been pretty steady around that 4% number over the last 10 years. There's some years that's dropped below, it's gone a little bit above. Uh, but over the last 10 years, um, despite that that significant compression in top line margin, we've seen brokerage companies maintain profitability around that 4% number on the brokerage side of things. Um, and again, we mentioned that they've been cutting costs, they've been growing their per office revenues. The most profitable brokers we see in our consulting work, uh, you hit on this a little bit earlier, Tracy, are the ones that are seeking out those other sources of revenue. Those firms that are uh, are trying to capture mortgage, uh, title, property casualty insurance, property management, home warranty, whatever, those 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 companies that are are really seeking out um, that uh, that diversity in how they're making their money are the ones that are both the most profitable that we're seeing. Now that requires a little bit of scale. Um, you know, you can't just you know small companies can't just jump right into the mortgage and title industry. You need to have a little bit of scale, which is why we're seeing so much consolidation now, but you need to have a little bit of scale in order to make to make money there. Um, and, but but that leads to a lot higher profitability. And, and when you can take a little bit of pressure off the broker side of your business by uh, establishing those other affiliated services type of businesses, then, then you can certainly uh, increase the profitability and increase that return on revenue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to talk, um, you know, we'll talk about consolidation in a little bit, but I want to, you know, obviously RTC Consulting does a robust, you know, valuation business as well. So what are some trends that you're seeing in brokerage valuations today? Yeah, we do a lot of valuations. Uh, we do a lot of valuations for different reasons. We still, you know, we still see your standard valuations for death, divorce, partnership disputes. That's something that's going to always be there regardless of the state of the market. Succession planning, uh, state planning, that's always a, a popular reason for for doing valuations, general business planning, general consulting, and obviously a big chunk of the valuations we do are for companies that, that are either uh, want to sell or considering a sale, kind of see where they're at in terms of their value to understand uh, what they're doing. And, and really, I guess one of the prevailing themes or trends, uh, you know, to answer your question that we're seeing recently uh, is, is I'm going to call it expectation management. Uh, brokers have had to go through over the last year to two years, especially over the last six to 12 months, what I call a great the, the great reset on their expectations of value. And to give you some context, you know, the second half of 2020, calendar 2021, and, and the first you know quarter or two of 2022, it was record profitability for most firms out there. Uh, they were they they were turning profits that they'd never seen. Most companies had never seen in the history of their companies. Um, multiples were very strong. There was a lot of M and A activity. So when you combine that record profitability and, and historically strong multiples, owners of brokerage firms were pounding their chests on their perceived value. 
And uh, the problem is buyers aren't stupid. Um, and, and it's the buyers, it's comparables out there that really are the determinants of value. And it's been so hard for us to, uh, to, to, to manage the expectations of owners so they understand that they are not going to get a premium multiple for a period of time that really was an anomaly. 2021 was an anomaly in our industry. Um, I believe in 2021, there were 6.2 million existing home sales. I mean, that's just insane. We're already, you know, just, we're already on a 12 month uh, year over year basis down about 4.6, 4.7. So we've already seen a 30 plus percent drop in existing home sales just since, you know, since 21. Um, that, that, was, that was an anomaly and buyers are just not paying premium multiples for that anomalous year. Um, you know, even before that the housing market turn, we've had to really adjust the way we've done valuations and gone from a trailing 12-month valuation to a multi-year average to kind of normalize that huge, what we call pandemic pop in profitability. So we've been even more so over the last six months since that market's really started to take a turn, it's been expectation management. It's been resetting brokers' expectations of their value based on an anomalous period of time. Um, and now, given the state of the market, given how multiples have softened, um, you know, we are seeing some downward pressure on, on in valuations. We've seen, uh, and, it's, and it's been hard for a lot of brokers to understand, uh, but more of them are, are really starting to see what's kind of happening um, in in the housing market, how it, how it directly impacts their business and how it directly impacts their bottom line. So, so expectation management has probably been the biggest recent trend in valuations that we've had to really help broker owners understand in terms of the value of their business. Yeah. And that really kind of leads into um, M&A. I know that you and, and Steve both did a couple articles for us on kind of the new deal terms um, and, and changes that you've seen um, with both valuations and, and M&A. Um, do you see this market as ripe for consolidation? I know that there's a little bit of a lull right now. So why don't you explain that? And then we can talk about uh, moving forward what you see. There is no doubt we're facing significant headwinds in this market, especially on the M&A front. Um, you know, we're seeing we're in an environment where where interest rates have, have significantly risen. Uh, we've got some uh, a lot of uncertainty in our in our within our own country in terms of the economy and we've got some geopolitical pressures out there um you know we've there's a lot of talk about going into recession next year that's that's highly likely that's probably going to happen and and we have seen a very subdued m a market um especially since about may or june um and and it's going to be very subdued for at least another year or so and that's going to be particularly on the macro scale. Um, like you mentioned briefly, Tracy, the large national buyers, uh, the large regional buyers have really who've really been aggressive over the in the recent years in their in their acquisition strategies, they've they've kind of you know gone to the sidelines a little bit. Um, you know, the big boys are waiting to see uh, how the dust settles before and if they come back in to um, to determine how aggressive they're going to be in acquisitions. Um, and so the M&A market has really is really gone into a, a lull from a on a more global scale, if you will. Now there will be some tremendous opportunities um, for consolidation, uh, especially in the local markets, uh, not necessarily in the national scene. We're kind of waiting for the big purchasers to come back, and and the timing on when and if they come back is going to be something we're going to we're going to keep a very close eye on. 
Uh, but there is going to be a lot of opportunity for consolidation, especially on the local on the local scene. You know, look, uh, 2021, everybody looked like a genius. If you're a broker's company and not making money in 2021, you should not have been in this game. Everyone was a genius. But with this housing market turning, we're going to find out very quickly, A, which owners have the intestinal fortitude to adapt, to survive, and to thrive in, in a downturn, and B, which owners maybe did not have that foundation built to embrace this volatility. You know, there's a famous quote by Warren Buffett that says, only when the tide goes out, you discover who's been swimming naked. And we're really going to quickly going to discover that. Because here's the truth, Tracy, uh, about 70% of the brokers companies in this nation have fewer than 10 agents. And, you know, all the owners and these agents, they're listing and selling. And these small brokerage companies, uh, they're, you know, they're experiencing these declines and, the, you know, these owners are experiencing this, these declines in their own personal business. They're having to take care of their agents who are also in, who may be suffering. There's going to be tremendous consolidation opportunities for this 70% of brokerage firms, for companies out there who view this as an opportunity to grow. So if I was a brokerage firm who, you know, who's been through these kind of downturns, who wants to look at this as an opportunity, I'd honestly be able to have a very strong outreach program right now to see how many roll-ins you can get for these small brokerage companies that just don't want to be uh, brokers anymore. They just want to go back to their roots and listing and selling and letting somebody else manage the business. Uh, even if you only get a few good producers out, the, out there, it's very creative to do these small acquisitions, to do these roll-ins or tuck-ins or or walkovers, however you want to call them. So there is going to be some great opportunity in this market on a smaller scale, on a global scale. We're just going to have to wait and see. It could be a, it could be a bumpy ride on a global scale for the next year, year and a half. Uh, my final question, and this one's a surprise question for you, Scott. Um, <laughs> you've seen you've seen um, you valued a like you said, what did you say, 4,000, over 4,000 brokerage firms. What do you see as the biggest, um, I don't, I don't want to say mistakes, but but the biggest um, hindrance to value in these firms? And, and what advice do you have for brokers who, you know, are determined to really thrive in this market? Yeah, so, you know, when we do consulting and we work with firms on uh, – Regardless of, of what we're working on them with, there's it's it's really there's three things we really try to reinforce to these brokerage firms. Obviously, um, no matter how good your firm is, you're going to lose agents. Their agent churn is a natural part of this business, so recruiting is always something that you need to focus on. Recruiting retention um, obviously is a significant um, uh, a significant feature of brokerage firms that a lot of them aren't good at it. You know how to how, not only retain your agents but but developing them and growing them. But really in this environment, and, and the key is spending less than you're bringing in. And as you see as you see profitability decline, as you see your business start to fall off, you gotta make really make sure you're nimble and you adapt and you cut expenses where you can. Um, sometimes firms, uh, one of their biggest weaknesses is they're not nimble enough, they're not able to adapt enough to a change in the market environment to to be able to uh, to keep their company at a place where it's at least not only break even but hopefully still profitable. So obviously you got to continue to focus on recruiting. You got to continue to focus on retention. And you got to spend less money than you're bringing in. That's a simple accounting, simple economics, but it's something that that some owners have trouble adapting to and focusing on as they as they manage their businesses. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems so simple, but but you're right. It, it's more difficult than it sounds. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining the Real Training Podcast. Um, you have offered some really incredible insights into brokerage and, um, you know, the benchmarking report that we have, M&A, business valuations. Um, I, I, you know, I just love hearing uh, all this information. It's great. So thanks so much. My pleasure, Tracy. It's great to be with you. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.